Welcome to our Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whitbeck, a partner of Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have Jeff Powell, our Chief Investment Officer and Managing Partner. Jeff, good morning to you. Good morning, Jeremy. So Jeff, uh, obviously a great conversation that we had yesterday. Really appreciated the webinar that uh, you hosted. A lot of great information in there. And one of the areas that you touched on were uh, bonds and low yields and other cash flow generating assets. And you'd mentioned in the conversation that it's very difficult, if not impossible, to even match the rate of inflation with a lot of fixed income instruments. And one of the things that often comes up with the conversations that I have with various people is that they're being quoted bonds from their bond broker or wherever they buy their, their fixed, in, uh, fixed income instruments for 5%. And so I was hoping that you could kind of dive into that. How are they getting quoted 4 or 5% when we know that the yields that the market offers is something much lower than that? What, what's happening there? Well, um, what you really have to do, Jeremy, is we've got to take a couple steps back. Um, to understand the bond market, you've got to understand a couple things. One, you're dealing with a negotiated marketplace versus an auction marketplace. What does that mean? Um, your home is a negotiated market. You know, people, you know, your home's only worth as much as somebody's willing to pay you for it uh, versus an auction, which is the stock market, or you, know, you, you see like a Sotheby's and, and they'll throw out an auction there. Uh, that's, those are totally different things. So number one is that when you're talking about um, bonds, you know, think about your, your mortgage in your house. You may have gotten your mortgage this year. You could have gotten your mortgage 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So a lot of it has to do with what was going on during that current rate in that time period. Uh, you have the opportunity, it's an at-will contract, to refinance your home at any point in time that you want to, whereas most corporations, municipalities, government agencies, in order to get the lending, have to make a promise to somebody that they're gonna keep that rate for a specific time period. Um, sometimes there are call features within it, but most uh, the majority of the bonds that are out there do not have call features to it. So when you're talking about a bond that can pay you a 4% coupon or a 5% coupon, these are older bonds that have been around for a while when Fed funds rates were substantially higher than where they were right now. And that yes, you can get an income that is paying you 4% of the par value of a bond. Par value meaning $100 per bond uh, but bonds can be priced at a premium or they can be paid at a discount. So when the going rate is 1% and you're looking at a bond that's paying 4%, the income, that 3% differential is gonna create a premium to the pricing of that bond. So what's gonna end up happening is yes, you can get that current income, but you're gonna buy that current income. You're gonna end up having to pay a premium price to get that. Now the equalizer in all this is a thing called yield to maturity. What you want to be looking at there is it looks at the price, it looks at the uh, the current the coupon payment, and it's going to equalize it out. So you might buy a bond that is par value paying one percent for the next ten years, and that's going to have a yield to maturity of one percent. You're going to have a bond that's paying out four percent in a coupon. Guess what? The only way that you get the same yield to maturity, assuming the same risk levels uh, of both those companies is for there to be a massive premium in the price to get to that level, which means that your price of your bond is gonna go from a premium down to par value. You're gonna lose principal value of your bond purchase only to get current income. So Jeff, 
I want to make sure that I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, because I think there's a misunderstanding with bonds where there's the perception that you're always going to get back what you paid for a bond. And so from what you're saying, since bonds can be priced at a discount or a premium, that you don't always get back what you paid for the bond. Right. So what do you get back when the bond matures? Uh, the par value, the principal face value of the bond. So, for example, let's let's just use me for example. Um, you and I have known each other for a while. Imagine kind of going back in time. Uh, let's just go back in time a couple of years. We had Fed funds rates before the financial crisis that were in the four or five percent range uh, back in in the middle two thousands. If I came to you and said, "Hey, Jeremy, let me a hundred thousand dollars. Let's just make it two thousand five to make round numbers here." It's 2005. I come to you. I borrow $100,000. Fed funds rates are at the time, let's just say 5% again to make our math simple. If I go out and I borrow that money for 30 years from you, I don't have to pay you back that money until 2035. So I'm paying you a premium over Fed funds rates. So you and I would negotiate what that was. Let's just say it's 3% above Fed funds rates. So I'm paying you $8,000 a year for that loan. Now, that's the transaction that you and I did when the actual loan was issued. Let's kind of fast forward to, I don't know, right after the financial crisis went on uh, back in. And uh, so we did this for initial one in 2005. Let's say that we did another loan in 2010. In this case, in 2010, I said, you know what, Jeremy, let's keep it the same as the other one. We'll do a 25-year loan. Okay, 3% above Fed funds rates uh, was our last deal. So I'm gonna give you $3,000 a year rather than $8,000 a year on my second loan. I'm the exact same person, same creditworthiness, same risk to you of default, same maturity on the loans. You're getting 8,000 on one, 3,000 on the other. Now, this is not a trick question. Let me reverse this back on you. Is it more valuable to get $8,000 a year or to get $3,000 a year? I mean, definitely 8,000. Okay, so not a, not a trick question there. So if you turned around and you decided that you were going to sell my loans in today's market, where it's okay, so it's gone back. Well, actually, let's let's go forward a little bit more. Let me use one more example here, and then we'll we'll take it to current. In 2018, uh, we had rates back uh, up to about two percent. That's uh, so Fed funds rates. So again. I come to you and I say, hey, Jeremy, I need a lo another loan. So uh, so 2018 is really the range. We've got, uh, again, 2035 for our, our time period. So we're going to match up the maturities again, 5% loan now, 3% above the two. I've been paying you back your other money. So you turn around, you let, you put out that bond to me and you turned around, uh, let's say in today's market, uh, well, actually, let's just say, Right after you lent me that money, you sold all three of those loans, okay, in 2018. Same person, same maturity. You've got one bond that's paying 8%. You've got one bond that's paying 5%, and that's the going rate. You've got another one that's paying 3%. When you turned around and sold those loans, okay, because that's what it is. When I'm borrowing money, I'm, I'm, I'm a loan. You're talking about debt. That's the same thing that corporations, governments, everything else are doing. If you were to turn around and sell those, the one paying 3%, you would have to discount that bond by the 2% income differential for the remainderment of that loan. 
you're talking about another 17 years of missing out on $2,000 a year. So there's a discount. The one that you, that you just gave me for the 5%, you're gonna get your money back. There's not gonna be a premium, there's not gonna be a discount. The one that's paying out, that's the 8%, that's $3,000 a year more in income than you would be getting in the going rate. So in that situation, the time value of money is taken into consideration. And then you're also looking at the premium of the income that's being paid out to the investor. Being you the investor, because you were the one who lent me that money, you are gonna get rewarded by having a premium. Now that person that bought that premium bond, okay, let's say that they bought it for 115 per bond, maybe it would be actually even slightly more than that. They're gonna put, well, they're gonna buy your bond for $115,000. They're gonna get $8,000 a year rather than five. So they're gonna get a little bit of a premium, but what's gonna end up happening is when my bond matures, when I have to pay it back, my deal with you, my deal now with this new person that owns my debt is that I'm giving $100,000 back. So that person paid you 115, they're gonna get $100,000 from me when 2035 rolls around and we're done with this whole thing. So that's where they're gonna lose their principal value. Yeah, Jeff, that was a, a great answer to that question. I think that's the part that isn't really talked about and certainly is not communicated when you're speaking with a bond broker or whomever it is that you're buying it is that when you pay a premium, you don't get that premium back when the bond matures. And so, yes, you're getting more income, but really you paid yourself that income by paying the premium on the bond because when it matures, you're getting that par value back. And that's something that um, I just, I don't know that enough people fully understand how that works. And the remarkable thing to your point is that the bond market is so efficient that it will price the bonds perfectly to hit whatever the yield to maturity should be where it's priced correctly along with every other bond. Both if you pay par value, premium, discount, it doesn't matter. The yields always work out the same based on the maturity and the credit quality. Yeah, so I mean, the, the bond market, because it's a negotiated marketplace, there's a lot of hidden, um, maybe not so great things about the market where uh, depending on the sophistication level of the investor, they can really easily be taken advantage of. Um, so as an investor in fixed income, if you're going to go out and be buying these bonds on your own, and one of the first things you need to be asking is what's the yield to maturity? Forget about the coupon. You know, I, you know, if you want income, we can get you the income. The problem is what are you going to be paying for it? So what is the yield to maturity of my investment? That means taking everything else into consideration, just as you were talking about, it doesn't matter if it's a discount par value or a premium bond, it's going to incorporate that in the income levels that are going on. What's the net result for you? Because what am I going to lose to get more income or what am I gaining by having less income over the period of time in which I own this fixed income product? The other thing to keep in mind is that commissions are buried into the prices. Now that to me, I mean, you do not as a bond investor see the commissions are being charged to you. So that is one that you need to be asking directly or maybe even shopping around for yield. So if you're just talking to me, Jeremy, and I'm the only person that's talking to you about bond yield, I can price it however I want to, and you don't know if you're getting a good deal or not. You need to be talking to more than one person and figuring out where the best yield is to be able to keep these people true with the commissions that they're charging you. You, know, you can charge up to a 3% markup 
or a markdown, depending on if you're buying or selling a, a fixed income product um, in the bond market, and you would never know it. So maybe a bond's actually priced at 97 and you get it priced at 100 because you didn't know that it was actually a discount bond and you could have gotten a brighter price out of it. When you get your confirmation, it's just going to show 100. It's not going to show the markup that was going on. Conversely, same thing. You could have a $100 bond and they're going to price it in 97 and you're going to get only a 97 price on your confirmation. It's not going to show that it was worth more money because, again, it's a negotiated market. It is not a auction market. The other cautionary tale is if this is sitting in your broker uh, dealer's inventory, they have technically, that company has taken risk in order to take that bond into their inventory overnight because they technically own it, not anybody else. They can mark it up even more as a result of that. So they bought it, they marked it up, and they put it into their inventory. Then your broker looks at it, he gets it, and he marks it up, and then you buy it from him. So this thing has been marked up twice before you actually see it. Now, just as a reminder, Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, we work for you. There is no markup. We do not earn commissions on anything that we do. So if you are looking for having fixed income in a structured way, we're more than happy to review what you're doing with your fixed income. And know that we're not doing it with bias because there's nothing in it for us to buy or sell any of these fixed income products. Yeah, Jeff, uh, thank you for explaining that. And once again, another area, as you mentioned, not very well understood and really um, not transparent at all. So uh, it's definitely something that uh, every investor needs to keep in mind. Uh, Jeff, I want to kind of change gears here a little bit and something that we've talked a lot about, but given the context of our conversation, I think it's worth uh, discussing once again here, and that is the impact of future interest rates. So obviously, uh, fixed income can be an important part of a portfolio when used properly and when used in the context of what's happening with the current interest rate environment. Can you talk a little bit about why it can be so um, concerning, especially buying uh, long-term debt when interest rates are so low? What's the potential impact there that investors should be aware of? So uh, the, probably the easiest way of describing this, Jeremy, is thinking about uh, bonds have a price and they've got yields, okay? So, and these are inverted relationships. So almost think of it as a seesaw. In the middle, you've got your fulcrum point, you have price on one side, you have yield on the other side. The further away from the fulcrum point you get, the more that seesaw moves. So when you've got, uh, you know, right now we've got interest rates. So kind of think about the right side of the seesaw being interest rates, you have price on the other side, and that's, you know, again, an inverted relationship. Fed funds rates right now are at 0%. So if we're looking at that seesaw, the right side of it is all the way on the ground. Okay. How much further can it go down below zero? It can't. Not much. <laughs> not much. Unless we're going to be Europe and Asia and go to a negative yield, you're not looking at much more uh, that you can see that go down. And I don't think our government's willing to experiment like the rest of Europe is right now with the, the thought of a negative interest rate. So let's just keep it at this point saying we're already at ground level. Okay. You can't go lower than zero. So as things get better, in our economy uh, in the future, you're gonna to start to see the Federal Reserve raise rates. So again, yields at its lowest point, it's all the way on the ground on the right-hand side. As it starts going up again, you're gonna see prices move. Again, if you drew this out on a piece of paper for yourself, draw a long line 
but a little uh, you know, uh, rectangle in the, in the middle or triangle in the middle, I should say, and start like looking at where the prices are. The further out that you are on that point of that line, that's a 30 year. Close to the, uh, the fulcrum point, maybe that's five years. Draw a line and see how much price movement you're seeing going on. The biggest price movement is out further. And if you think about it in that context, this is why. I come to you right now, Jeremy, and I say, Jeremy, I need a loan. I need a 30, another, going back to our lending that we were talking about, I need another 30 year loan. I'm getting 3% over Fed funds rates. You're getting a $3,000 a year level. That is as low as you will get with me having a decent credit rating and our negotiated price. There's only one direction and one direction only that that price could go. And that's up because in the future, what you're doing is you've locked in lending me money at exactly the worst time for yourself. It's why the banks right now are really positioning and trying to not give out 30-year loans right now is because it is the worst for them from a vantage point. They're not getting the same sort of, they're gonna be locking in a low margin over an extended time period for themselves, uh, whereas they could get much more uh, if rates were to go up. Yeah, Jeff, that was a, a great visual explanation. And the one thing that I want to recognize is a lot of people don't necessarily even understand or know the bond exposure that they have, especially for those people that are getting near retirement using target date funds. So one of the uh, great things about a target date fund is that it's autopilot, no thinking about it, you put your money in it and it just goes. The negative though is that those funds don't think about macroeconomic uh, influences either, right? They're set on autopilot that at certain dates, it increases your bond allocation and it decreases your equity allocation. And what I was really surprised digging through a lot of these is that they heavily use long-term debt. Um, and to your point there, a lot of people may have a significant exposure there and don't even realize it. And so the one thing that I would recognize, or that I'd recommend rather, is that if you are someone that's using that kind of instrument within your portfolio, Talk to your wealth advisor. Let's dive into it and really understand what you hold because the time to have the conversations now, not once interest rates do finally start going up because then the damage is done. And unfortunately with interest rates, it's not like you can just wait it out and hope for it to come back to where it was. Typically, once it starts to slide, it continues to slide. So time actually becomes your enemy in that the longer you delay, the worse the problem gets. Um, any Anything else that you wanted to share on the subject before we wrap up, Jeff? No, I just think that it's it's an excellent point, Jeremy. I mean, and I think that they that really the the tough part of the conversation that we're having with clients today is they've really got to think outside the box. We've written about this extensively. You know, what is risk? You know, is risk locking in a 30-year fixed income product where you're the lender for an extended time period where you're getting nothing? I mean, we joked about the three percent differential. You're not even getting that in a, in a treasury right now, and so. If you're looking at the safest investment on the possibility and you're getting a two, under 2% for going out three, uh, 30 years, you're making a mistake. You're locking in the fact that you're gonna be at that low level for the rest of your life. And so the only way you're gonna be able to get out of it is by selling it. And as you just said, as soon as prices start moving, I mean, who wants to buy, who's gonna buy that debt? You know, Who's gonna lock in at a 1.5% 30-year treasury they're going to sit there and, and everybody's going to step away from that deal and they're going to make you pay for it by making you discount that fixed income product 
in a very, very large way. The simplicity of doing target date funds, the simplicity of having an asset allocation model for yourself, yeah, it's great, but most people then don't have the transparency to understand what they're really buying until it's too late, until it's blown up on them. So again, couldn't agree with you more. Um, the biggest thing that I would throw out is let us give you a second opinion about these things. Let us show you what the actual true total return that you can expect from the investments that you're making, either be it in an ETF, in a mutual fund, in a target date fund, or you've been sold a bond ladder. We can help you understand exactly what you own and understand does it or does it not really fit into the overall game plan. Because again, if you've locked in that long-term low returning instrument, it means the rest of your portfolio is gonna have to work that much harder to be an offset for that mistake. And the question is, do you have the ability to actually do more than that? So let us give you a second opinion. Let us show you if you're doing it correctly or not. Um, I, I think that would be probably the best way of rectifying things that perhaps you didn't know when you were getting into it, which is fine. I mean, again, we feel like it's your financial advisor's job to be fully explaining this to you, but we're not your finance, you know, we're not the one that put you into those. So we will be having a discussion with you where you will understand exactly what it is that you've invested in. Yeah, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, all of your illustrations, your examples, and understanding this further. Um, as always, Jeff, really love the conversation that we had. And to our audience, be happy, be safe, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.